October, right? Isn't that where we're at? We're in October? And everybody likes ghost stories in October. Well, I got a ghost story for you. The Holy Ghost. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit for the month of October. And I want you to understand and kind of really be familiar with him and understand what this is all about and why he is absolutely essential and important in every way. And so there's, our God is unique. He is like no other. Do you, would you agree with that? There is no God like him. There's been none before him. There will never be another after him. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And our God is so unique. He's Father, Son, and Spirit. This idea of the Trinity, this idea that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, it didn't just happen in the, in the New Testament. They didn't just make this up. It didn't just kind of happen in the, with a bunch of Christians coming around. This has been true from the very beginning. Even in the book of Genesis, you can see the triuneness of God. He's Father, Son, and Spirit. You know, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. His spirit was upon the water. He breathed spirit. He uses the word Elohim over and over again. And then also there's something. Anybody know what the Shema is or the Shema? Yes, a couple of you I know do. It's a saying that the Jews were told to say three times a day. Not once, not twice, not six times, three times, right? It was to emphasize the three. And it was hero Israel, the Georgia God is one. Hero Israel. So it's Yisrael Adonai Elohim Ehad. You know, Israel, when they would say Shema, Shema, they would pull their ear. So it would be listen. So the Jew, when they would say, listen, this is important. Shema, you know, they would pull their ear. And so they would pull their ear and say, listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. Now that to me doesn't seem like a mind bomb, does it? You know, like, wow, mind bomb. The Lord God is one. Oh, okay, wow, that's great. But when you understand that he's Father, Son, and Spirit, and that he's one, then all of a sudden that begins to appear something very differently. And so the, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they are one. They are ehad. It means compound unity. So they are oneness of mind, oneness of heart, oneness of spirit, oneness of purpose. The same word is used when a man and a woman get married. They are considered ehad. They're considered one. No longer two, but one. Same, same concept in, is, is related in the Godhead. And they are in concert with one another. The Father serves the Son, the Son serves the Father. The Father serves the Spirit, the Spirit serves the Father. The Spirit, Jesus serves the Spirit, the Spirit serves the Son. It's a constant concert of communion. It's a constant concert of service. They're serving one another. They're interrelating with one another. And so the Lord is three and he is one. And one of the most important people, the one that's most meaningful to us in this world is the Holy Spirit. We love the Father. The Son has paid the price. But Jesus said, it is to your benefit that I go, for if I do not go, the Holy Spirit cannot come. And he said, I will pray the Father, and he will send you another. So the greatest gift that we have in this world, Christian, is, is the Spirit of God. He is extremely important. He has to take the highest level of preeminence in the believer's life. He's not an after effect. He's not an also-ran. He's not an accessory. He's not... You know, something you think about every now and then. He is everything. The Holy Spirit is everything. He is everything. He's a person. That's the first thing I want you to know. Holy, say with me. Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not an essence. He's a person. How do we know? He has a mind. Romans 8, 27. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. So he has a mind. He has an intellect. He has an understanding. The Spirit intercedes for us according to the purposes and the will of God in our life. That's Romans. He has a will. 1 Corinthians 12. 
But the one of the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each as he wills. He has a will. He has an intent. He has a will. He has a mind. He has an intellect. How many knows the Holy Spirit's intellect's a little bit better than yours? Anybody? How many know the mind of the Spirit is a little bit higher than yours? Right? You have access to the mind of the Spirit. You have access to the mind of Christ. You have access to a level of thinking that supersedes this age. You have access to a level of thinking that supersedes all of the wisdom and the intellect, the collective intellect of men. <laughs> men think they're smart, and we bring collections of men to come together with their intellect. Holy, you have access to the greatest, the greatest intellect in the universe. You have access to the Holy Spirit, the mind of the Lord. You may not know what to do, but he does. He knows what to do. <laughs> He's your gift. He's your inheritance. Holy Spirit speaks. Say it with me. God wrote a book. God wrote a book. But he didn't lose his voice. Right? He's still speaking. Yeah? Half the church believes that Jesus wrote a book and he stopped talking. <laughs> he that hears ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Current tense, present now, word. He is speaking. So the Holy Spirit has a voice and he's speaking. And he's still speaking today. He is still active. Did he just speak to you, Carmen, when you asked him that question? Did he just tell you? He tells you. Your, question, your issue isn't whether or not he speaks. Your issue is, is that you don't know how to discern his voice. And then your issue is, is you don't understand you, you, is the confidence in hearing his voice. Anybody here served in the military at all? Yeah? Who? No one? Well, if you have, we're just going to celebrate you. But one of the things that happens in the Marines especially, I'm told, I was not a Marine, but they drill you and they drill you on a field with other, with other units and they drill you and one of the things that the instructor, the drill instructor teaches you is to hear the voice of your DI over the, all the other voices. For you to learn to hear your drill instructor over every other voice and they drill you and 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 drill you until you can learn to hear the voice of your instructor over every other voice around you. So that when he says left, you go left. Even if the guy over here is saying right. It's important. The Christian has to be drilled. We have to learn the voice of God. We have to learn the spirit of God. Anybody know when Israel came out of Egypt, you know what they were led by? Somebody says a pillar of fire, right? So there's a pillar of fire. So the Bible tells us that when Israel came up out of Egypt, the Lord manifested his presence to them and he led them with a pillar of fire by day and a cloud by, or a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So he covered them, he protected them and he led them. But more importantly than just a physical appearance that they had, the Bible says they, led, they were to follow his voice. He led them up out of the wilderness by his voice. They were always and forever to be a people that followed his voice. It's the same concept in the New Testament. Jesus said, my sheep, what? Hear my, right. We have to learn to discern and understand the spirit of God. You say, well, where does scripture come in? Well, the Holy Spirit speaks a language and it's called scripture. So if you want to know what language the Holy Spirit speaks, it's called Bible. Right? He speaks that word. That's what he speaks. But he speaks within and inside the frame and the context of, of the word. So it's important to know that. So he who has an ear here, hear, let him hear what the spirit is saying. John 16 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you in all truth. So he's going to lead you. This is what he does. Anybody want to be led into truth, right? 
Anybody want to be led into stupidity at all? Anybody out there say, man, I just want somebody to lead me into stupidity. Right? Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead you into truth. Yeah? He's your gift. Amen. He will lead you into truth. He will not speak, here we go again, on his own authority. For whatever he hears, he shall speak. He will give to you the counsel of the Godhead. The communal counsel of the Godhead is what he speaks. He doesn't just make it up as he goes along. He's not winging it. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Gives you discernment and understanding into the world that you live. Gives you discernment and understanding into the things that are coming your way. You're going through something, you want to understand what's going on, the Holy Spirit will show you. Yeah? You just have to develop the discipline of the relationship with him. We have to learn and discern and learn to discipline ourselves into the relationship with the Holy Spirit. He will, not glo- he will glorify of me. He will take you. Where, where, where am I? <laughs> Whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Jesus. What is the Holy Spirit doing? He's glorifying Jesus. Holy Spirit is not testifying of himself. He's testifying of Jesus. You start speaking Jesus, Holy Spirit's there all day long. He's like, yes, sir. It's what you feel when you begin to worship the Lord. You feel the presence of the Holy Spirit upon you. You begin to feel his presence because he's affirming to you that right of worship. He's affirming to you the truth in which you are worshiping. He, you begin to bonds, he bonds with you in that way. He will take from what is mine and declare it to you. This is extremely powerful. He can be grieved. So when he takes from what is, what is, what is Jesus's and he makes it known to you. Holy Spirit is the arbiter of your inheritance. He is the one who brings forth what is yours by right. You cannot manifest your inheritance without the Holy Spirit. Not going to happen. Because it's the Holy Spirit who takes from what is the Lord's and declares it to you. Jesus said, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, that's why I said, he will take from everything that belongs to me. Jesus possesses everything. All things are his. And the Holy Spirit is the one who takes from what is yours by promise and declares it to you. That's why when you get born again, you're born of the Spirit, are you not? Eh? That's an inheritance. Those who put faith in Christ are born again. They're given the inheritance of being born again. And the Holy Spirit manifests that inheritance. That's why somebody like when you get come to Christ, it's like somebody just turned the light on, right? I was blind, now I see. I was in despair, but now I can hope, you know? I was dead, but now I feel alive because the Holy Spirit is manifesting to you that which Christ has come to give. We are born of this, yes, yes. Yes, you can get happy about that. Holy Spirit's always in a good mood. He's always, he, he's always for you. Always for you. Always for you. He can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When you don't listen to him, you grieve him. He's just like, oh, dude, would you get it together, Kevin? Come on, man. He doesn't get disappointed with you because you didn't appoint you. He appointed you. You have been appointed by the Father. But what happens when you grieve the Holy Spirit by not listening to him, you're lowering yourself. (laughs) You lower yourself. So God's biggest issue with Israel wasn't their disobedience. He was like, oh, they were disobedient to God. That's why the Lord, no, that was not his issue. His issue was that they continually lowered themselves They continually lowered themselves beneath the identity in which he had established for them. 
They constantly lowered themselves. That's the issue. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to lower yourself. He wants to lift you. He wants to raise you. He's always for you. He's not against you. His correction is for your good. He's not pointing something out to you to shame you. He's pointing something out to you because it's interfering with your inheritance. He's pointing something out to you because what's going on here is is inhibiting the relationship. He's extremely jealous. Ladies, if you're at a party and your husband's off talking to all the women in the room, are you happy about that? No. No, Exactly. I barely got the sentence out and she's on it. She's like, no. No, you don't mind if he socializes a little bit, but you're the one and only, right? As long as I'm the one and only, we're good. You can talk to other people, but I'm the one and only. So long as like that's, that's how he is. He's the one and only. He is extremely jealous for you. He's not jealous of you. He's jealous for you because he only wants your good. And he is really the only one who can bring about your good. He, he is. He's the one that brings about your good. He can be grieved. Hebrews says this. He can be offended. Hebrews 10, 29. When you reject Christ, the Bible says you trample the son of God under the foot. And you treat the blood of the covenant as a common thing, and you insult the spirit of grace. So when people are offered salvation, when they say, listen, you're lost, you're hopeless, you you need to be born again. You need to give your life to Christ. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and he's risen from the dead, you will be saved. Give your life to Christ. And when you turn away from that, the Bible says you treat the blood of the covenant as a common thing, and you trample it underfoot. And it is an insult to the spirit of grace. All of us are born again by the spirit. When the power of the message of the gospel comes, the Holy Spirit again empowers the message. He comes over the message. He begins to bear witness with your heart, reasoning with you, a rebellious, sinful, arrogant person. The Lord of glory lowers himself to reason with you and me. And he reasons with me and begins to say, Kevin, You don't know Jesus. You need to give your life to this whether you understand it or not. And when you and your pride and arrogance turn away, the Bible said it's an insult to the spirit of grace. That's why Christians, you know, listen, the Bible says that he will not always, my spirit will not always strive with men. I'm not always going to be trying to get you to come to me. I'm not always going to keep doing this, right? I'll do it because he loves you. But people think, oh, God's always going to work with that person. No, he won't. He gives them up. Therefore, God gave them up. Read Romans 1. Read how, read how many times God gave up the arrogant. Read how many times God gave up the sinful. Those who continually in wickedness reject him. Therefore, God gave them up. Therefore, God gave them up. Therefore, God gave them up. If you're out there and you don't know Jesus, today's your day. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. Today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. At the end of this thing, you need to hold on. Don't answer the phone. You need to pay attention. We're going to give you a prayer to come to Christ. And today's your day. Today's your day. Don't think about it. This is the offer you can't refuse. Trample the spirit of grace. What does the Holy Spirit do? You know what he does? He regenerates. Is that awesome? I love that word. You know what it means? He gives you a new generation. You are regenerated. Born not of the earth, born of heaven. Born not of earthly blood, but born of royal blood. Born of royal blood. Yes. 
It's how it activates. So many of us, we identify with my Italian, my Cuban, my Irish, my African, my whatever, my Haitian, my Bahamian ancestors. In Christ, you identify with nothing but the bloodline of Jesus. You are born of not of Bahamian blood. You were born of the blood of the Lamb. You were born of a king's blood. He is your inheritance. He becomes your all in all. You have been given a new generation. You are completely regenerated from the beginning all the way forward. And he's working that out in other ways. What's that? New DNA. Exactly. New DNA. Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Renewing. How powerful is that? The only time if you want to keep looking at you as the way you used to be, the, the only one who's going to agree with that is you and the devil. The Lord doesn't agree with who you were. He only sees you as you are. You're a son or a daughter in Christ Jesus. You're no longer, that's not who you were. You say, well, this is what I've always been. You, you, you need to change the way that you speak. I just come from a, 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 it was a business conference and it was amazing. And uh, one of the things that somebody said there is that uh, change, transformation, just all these different things is 80% psychology and 20% skill. To get people to succeed in its absolute gospel, that's Romans 12.1. You transform by the renewing your mind. You're, you're your own worst enemy, man. You know, the way you think, the way you perceive, the paradigms that you think and see life through, the way that you see yourself, the lens that you view. 80% psychology, 80% transformation of thought, and 20% development of skill. It's amazing. It's interesting. He regenerates us. We become born again. So the Holy Spirit is the one who makes us born again. We must be born of the water and born of the Spirit, John 3. He empowers us, Acts chapter 1. You shall receive, everybody say it with me, power. Oh, yeah. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, and to the ends of the earth. The word power in the Greek is dunamis, dynamic, dynamic power, dynamic. Anybody get in the Spirit? You know, anybody know what it means that when, you, when you get in the Spirit? You become this dynamic person, don't you? You become amazing. You're like, I'm freaking cool. Yeah. You like you when you're in the spirit. You like everybody when you're in the spirit because it's the dunamis. It's not just the explosive dynamite power. It's dynamic power. The dynamicness of who you are comes alive in the spirit. It's another way of looking at it. So he gives you power. Dunamis, it's a generating power. Power to live. You need hope, get in the spirit. You need focus, get in this. Every single thing flows from the Spirit. doesn't flow from your mind. It flows from the Spirit. Get in the Spirit, and it starts happening. Get in the Spirit. Say it with me. Practice the presence. You have to learn to practice the presence. Practice the presence. Right? So what happens when you get in the Spirit? You enter a world that you're not acclimated to. You enter a world that you're not familiar with. And what most people do, because we cling to our familiarity, right? You get in the spirit, and it's all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what's going on here? It's transcendence in the highest level of the word. Do you know how many cults and religions are looking for transcendence? And Jesus is given away like it's TikToks. You want transcendence? Here you go. Holy Spirit, transcendence. Oh, well, I don't know about that, Pastor. It's transcendence. Transcendence means to rise above. You transcend in the spirit, you transcend your earthly state. You're in another world. 
Do you know what happens? Anybody know with me here? When you get in the spirit, when, when, the first thing that leaves is time. Time goes because you've entered the eternal realm. Some of you have been in worship or you've been in Bible studies, you've been in these different environments, and you're like, wow, that was three hours? That didn't seem like three hours. That seemed like 20 minutes, maybe an hour, but that didn't seem like three hours because it's transcendent. Eternity just showed up. Heaven just showed up. You're transcendent. You're rised above. You rise above your current state. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. You're given it. But what we do is we like to lean on the familiar. We're bound to this world. It's all we've ever known. You got to give yourself permission to know what it's like in his world. This world is all you've ever known. You've only known carnality. You've only known the impulses of the flesh. You've only known human thinking. That's all you've ever known. All right? That's not an excuse. That's just a point of understanding. But what you need to know in Christ is that's not where you're called to stay. Jesus didn't call you to stay in a world that you know. He's called you to move into the world that you do not know. He's called you beyond yourself and into the world of the Spirit, a way that's higher than your ways, a, a, an understanding that's greater than your own understanding. And what happens a lot of times is Christians become, they, we, we, we attach ourselves to the familiar. And then we try to bring the familiar into the Spirit so that we can have some kind of understanding. And you just go into the Spirit. Just go into the Spirit. You don't, get, you don't start acting weird and kooky. You, you know, nobody's, you know, you, if you want to start shaking, that's on you, man. That's not on the Holy Spirit. You right, exactly. Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Holy Spirit doesn't seize your faculties. He doesn't start grabbing you and moving you around. That's not what happens. I've been with the, with the Lord a long time. I was with this one church, and I love to tell this story because it's really funny. So our pastor, my first pastor was a very spirit-filled dude, right? And so he coached me and coached the church in the things that I'm trying to coach you in. And, you know, sometimes people will encounter the Holy Spirit and I'll start going, oh, my gosh, oh, 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 you know, because they feel the power, they feel the presence. Pastor Rick would come up and grab you by the shoulders and go, hold the anointing. Learn to hold the anointing, Christian. Hold the anointing. <laughs> people go, I don't want it to get all weird. The only way it's going to get weird is if you, if, if you got weird, then you're, it's on you. The weird isn't on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is naturally supernatural. Naturally supernatural. I can feel power standing on me right now, clothed in power. But I'm not shaking. My voice isn't trembling. Oh. You know? We give prophetic word, naturally supernatural. We don't strike a pose. Like, you know, like we're some, you know, person out of some image or something. We pray for people. We pray for the sick. Naturally supernatural. That's how the Holy Spirit rolls. Same thing. When he gives you a transcendent of insight, you want to see your business, go into the spirit. Begin to worship and honor the Lord. Begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying here? What are you saying in regards to this? What are you saying in relationship to my spirit, to, to, to this business? Begin to talk to him. And you can go into this transcendent understanding and God will begin to instruct you from that place of transcendence. 100%. And you'll be the, you'll, all of a sudden he'll give you a guidance and a direction. He'll correct and he'll show you you're focused on the wrong thing. What about this, Lord? What about this? And he may just tell you that's not important. Focus on this. This is what you have access to. You don't have to make this up. You have access to him. To him. It's the same thing. I go out all the time. I love to spend time with the Lord. Somebody said, make an appointment with yourself. I say, make an appointment with the Holy Spirit. 
Yeah, come on. Make an appointment with the Holy Spirit. Every morning I try to go out, and if I don't do it, I can feel it. And I spend time with the Lord, and I listen to what he's saying. I listen. What are you saying? What are you doing? And I let him take me where he wants to take me. And then I'll present issues to him, and he begins to guide my life if I'll listen to him. But I have to create a margin for that. It's not about, it's just about spiritual disciplines, yes, but it's about the Holy Spirit, man, the interaction of him in your life. And he's going to show you. And sometimes you may not agree with what he tells you. As he told me, one of us is wrong, Kevin, and it's not me. So, you know. <laughs> one of us is wrong here, man, and it's not me. <laughs> so I learned to listen to him. I just tell you some stuff. I had a bunch of stuff. I'm in this really big transitional time, like for me personally. And I'm just, all this stuff's changing. And I can feel that just, it's funny that the government shifted. I've been believing God. And I just feel all this stuff shifting in my life. And I'm really at this point, I'm not understanding. Like, I'm like, and I'm asking the Lord. I even asked the Lord, what's going on with me? I got there and excited. Listen, say it with me. I am not smart enough, come on, to understand me. You are not smart enough to understand you. Dr. Phil's not smart enough to understand you. Dr. Phil can talk to you about behavior, but the Holy Spirit will tell you exactly what's going on with you. He'll tell you exactly what you're feeling, what the emotion is, and why it's there. I lean on him all the time. I'm like, what's going on with me? He's like, you have intrepidation. You're stepping through a doorway and you're unsure. And then I could see myself like, not like hesitant to step through this door. Hesitant. And I'm like, well, what is it rooted in? He said, uncertainty. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? And he said, step through the door. And I hear what he says to me. He says, on the other side of the door is destiny. On the other side of the door is what you want. You know, all I need to know is, are you telling me to go through the door? And he's like, yes, I'm telling you to go through the door. So I'm going through the door. Doesn't make sense to me. I, I just do what he says. And like, I, I go on for the ride. He'll tell me stuff that's going on with myself. He'll show me what, he, what, what I need to do. He'll show me. He'll show me. He'll show me. Yeah? You having war with your wife? Huh? Here, me, right? He'll show you what to do. Oh, we don't have war. We're Christians. We never fight. Really? Really? Yeah. Get on your knees and say, holy, what do I do? And he say, do this. But I don't want to do that. Do it anyway. <laughs> do it anyway. And his way always works. Always works. It's an amazing thing. I'm like, wow, you really do know what you're doing. So anyway, he's the administrator of the government of heaven come down. This is the most beautiful thing in the world. If you understand who he is, all that is of heaven, he brings forth. All that is of heaven. Partnership with him is paramount. He will glorify me. He will take from what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has given me is mine. Therefore, I said he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. He manifests your inheritance. Jehovah Rapha, your inheritance is in his name. The names of the Lord are your inheritance. Every believer has an inheritance. You have a full bank account of inheritance. Well, where is it? No, I'll tell you where it is. It's in his name. Accessing it, that's the issue. Every believer is given an inheritance. And every believer is given an invitation to destiny. Destiny is not a guarantee. Destiny is an invitation. Promises are not a guarantee. Promises are an invitation. But inheritance is yours. You can manifest healing because inheritance is Jehovah Rapha. You can manifest provision because inheritance is Jehovah Jireh. You can manifest salvation because inheritance is Jesus. Right? The Lord saves. It's your inheritance. It's another story. 
but everything else is an invitation. The Holy Spirit will not only give you the invitation, he'll show you how to, get, how, how to, enter, the, how to enter the party. He'll show you how to get there. He pours the love of God on us, Romans 5. Because the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It's experiential power. This kingdom is not observed, it's experienced. God's not interested in you observing. He's interested in you participating and experiencing. You have power because he wants you to experience his power. He wants you to feel it. He wants you to feel the life of God in you. He wants you to. That's what he wants. The Holy Spirit is given to us. He reveals truth. First John, you have an anointing who abides upon you. You have no need that anyone should instruct you in this manner, for the anointing will show you everything that is true and will not lie. Again, that's what I'm talking about. You can lean into that. You can go into the mind of the Spirit. Begin to show God. God will begin to show you. He'll begin to deal with you. He'll begin to do all kinds of things with you. The Holy Spirit comes bearing gifts. How many like the gifts? Yeah, I got two. Anybody like the gifts? Right? Come on. Anybody out there? The Holy Spirit brings gifts. Say it with me. They're gifts. They're not awards. They're gifts. They're not torture. Right? We treat the gifts like they're some kind of torture. We're like, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, or we treat gifts like they're awards like be, be, that are given to you because the height of your holiness. They're gifts. They're given to you. This has nothing to do with the height of your holiness. They're given. <laughs> they're given. Anything Jesus, say with me, anything Jesus wants to give me is good. Right? If he wants to give you something, it's good. Right? Do you know it's a dishonor to a king to deny his gifts? They used to execute him in ancient times. You'd offer a gift and you'd deny the king's gift, they'd kill you. The Holy Spirit offers gifts and we deny his gifts all day long. He honors us with his gifts. He honors us with the pneumatica, the spiritual empowerment of the spirit. John 14, I will pray the Father and he will give you another that he may abide with you. So Holy Spirit, say with me, Holy Spirit is in three dimensions. He's a three-dimensional being. So he's with the world, but he's also with the believer. So here's the dimensions. I'm going to give you the believer first. He's with you. Say it with me, para. Right. His name is parakletos. So the presence of the Holy Spirit is with you. What is he doing? Working all things out to the good of those who love him and are called according to, the purpose, to his purpose. So the Holy Spirit is around the life of the believer. He's working everything out. He's not just in you. That's the next step. But he's around you. So the Holy Spirit is working around you. Every stupid thing you do, he's trying to correct. Right? Every stupid thing that happens to you, he's working out to your good. He's para, parakletos. He's with you. He's in you. The Holy Spirit. Jesus said you will receive the Holy Spirit. He will come in you. It's the Greek word en. Every believer receives the Holy Spirit at salvation. En. He comes in you. He seals you. He stamps your heart. Payable upon death. You're a FedEx package. The minute you go, that's, that label is, you, you're FedEx to Jesus immediately. You're sealed, the Bible says. The Holy Spirit is your sealed. You're already claimed goods. To live as Christ, to die is gain. You're going to be in Jesus. The Holy Spirit has already claimed you. You belong to him. But when you receive him as a believer, he lies dormant until you activate him. He lies dormant until you partner with him. That's why we see lots of born-again Christians in many different facets and ever, but there's no power in their life. Like zero. Like none. Like at all. You know? And if they get a miracle, it's like, what, once in a decade? You know? Once in a lifetime, there's a miracle? 
I mean, come on, man. Is that what he promised us? That's not what he promised us. That's not what he's told us. And the reason for that is that we just take the Holy Spirit and we go, We're, we, we all have the Holy Spirit, you know? Okay, yeah, we all have the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's active. That doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is manifesting. That doesn't mean he's, he's, he's working in your life. You're born again. You have the Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So it looks like this, right? So in the believer's life, the Holy Spirit is with you, the Holy Spirit is in you, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. If I was to take a glass of water and a pitcher of water, and I would begin, if I put the empty glass next to the pitcher, the empty glass is with, so the pitcher is with, para, right? I begin to pour the water into the glass. Now the water is not just with the pitcher, or excuse me, the pitcher isn't just with the glass, the, wa the water is actually in the glass, with and in. But if I begin to continually fill that glass, the water will come up and over the glass and the, and the water will now come upon the person. This is the Holy Spirit. He is with you. He is in you. But to the degree that you yield yourself is to the degree that he will fill you. To the degree that you partner with him is to the degree that you will, he will fill you. And he will come upon you. You can get it right here in worship. Come for the second service and just enter in. Send her in, and you'll feel presence come on you. Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll feel power to the degree that you yield yourself. That's why people that listen to worship and they never experience anything, it's because you don't lean in. Lean in. Open your heart. Lean in. Let it, let it happen. Huh? Yeah, preach it. Preach it. In the world. He's with the world, but he's not in the world. Or he's not in the, in the worldly Christian. The Holy Spirit is in the world. The only, thing, the, the only way the world can experience the Holy Spirit is because he's convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's not convicting the believer, he's convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. This is why when we don't proclaim the gospel and we don't proclaim that you must be born again, you neuter the power of the Holy Spirit in the world because his whole job is to convict them of sin. You're lost and you don't know Jesus. You are hopeless and helpless without Christ. You cannot save yourself. Boom, he empowers that. He begins to convict the person who doesn't know Christ. When we don't preach this, which the church has gotten really, ooh, we don't want to preach it. We don't want to preach it. We don't want to preach sin, you know. We don't want to, we don't want to say anything about that. Well, sin to the unbeliever means you need to come to Christ. Sin, righteousness, meaning sin, he convicts the unbeliever that they're not right with the Lord when we preach the message. When we preach the gospel of salvation and the message of salvation, he convicts the unbeliever. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How'd you come to Jesus? Right? That's some big old Georgia boy when I was 19 years old started telling me that without Christ, I don't, I'm, I'm lost in my sins. That's probably all I remember him saying. But every part of me knew that that was true. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit was convicting me of sin because the message was being delivered. The Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness. When we speak the message, he lets you know you're not right with God. You're not right. And you need to get right with God, righteousness. And then he convicts them of the judgment, right? That if you reject this, there is no hope for you. You cannot save yourself. You are lost, judged in sin. Man's not judged, sin is judged. And so long as man is under sin, man is under judgment. When man comes to Christ, he now moves out from under sin and he moves under righteousness. God never judged man. Read Genesis. He never judged man. He never cursed Adam. He cursed sin. Sin is cursed. Therefore, when man remains under sin, he remains under a curse. 
Therefore, so sin is judged. There, so long as man remains under sin, he's under judgment. When you come out, when you give your life to Christ, you come out from under sin and you come under righteousness and you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Happy day. <laughs> Happy day. Yes. He seals. Gives you that seal, right? So the Holy Spirit is with you. He's in you and he wants to move upon you. He wants to live through you. He seals you, right? He is the guarantee of our inheritance, Ephesians 1. Guaranteed. How do you know you're born again? Is the Spirit of God in you? You're born again. We look at our lifestyles. We look at the stupid things we do. That has nothing to do with your salvation. The Holy Spirit has everything to do with your salvation. It has everything to do with you. Take not my, your spirit from me. We didn't David sin and the Spirit lifted. That's Old Testament economy, man. That's not New Testament. Old Testament economy is visitation. New Testament economy is habitation. He is here. He abides with you. The blood has been shed. You are his temple. You are his home. You can try to kick him out, but he ain't going nowhere. He binds himself to you. He's forever faithful. Forever faithful. Aren't you glad? <laughs> he is forever faithful. He is so good. Say, so he's that good? He's so good, it's true. It's so good, it's true. He initiates, he initiates power. How do we receive the power of the Holy Spirit? Through prayer, Acts chapter 2. So when you engage the Holy Spirit and you begin to first begin to manifest the Holy Spirit, you just pray. Ask the Holy Spirit. If you just ask him, Holy Spirit, come. He'll come. You begin to feel peace. Open up your spirit when you feel the peace. You'll feel power. Open up your spirit when you feel the power. You'll feel clarity. Open up your spirit when you feel the clarity. That's what happens. We ask the Holy Spirit to come and he, he moves and then all of a sudden we're like, whoa, I don't know about that. You know, you'll feel peace and you'll go, okay, that's good. I, I, I feel good. I feel good. No, dude, open up, man. Open your mouth wide, taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? Why take measure when you can have fullness? Right? Why do you want measure when you've been given fullness? Forget measure, man. I'm not interested in measure. I want fullness. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about y'all. Testimony. Peter speaking, the Holy Spirit moved as he began to speak. Uh, laying on of hands. When they laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came. So these are different ways that the Holy Spirit operates. He comes to seal you. He comes to empower you. He makes his angels spirits. I love this verse. And his ministers flames of fire. It's his presence on you. He ignites you. You burn. Come on down. Let that fire happen, man. You feel the flame on you. You need to let him burn. You need to let him ignite you. So what happens in the book of Genesis. It said, man, God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. The Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, was breathed into man. And the Bible uses the word ignite. It says a man became a living soul. He ignited the soul. That's what the Holy Spirit does to you. He ignites the soul. He illuminates the mind, the will, and the emotion. You feel him. Your mind becomes clear. You see things differently. You're elated Right? All of a sudden, you want to do different things. You want to do what's right when you didn't want to do it before. Because the Holy Spirit ignites the soul. Ignites it. Do you want it? You just got to let him do it, Christian. You got to let him do it. You got to take the red pill, Neil. You got to go down the rabbit hole, Alice. Right? You got to explore something you've never done before. Why hold yourself in the intellectualness of faith when you can have experiential power? I'm all in on intellectual. I'm all in on theology. I could teach theology all day long. I got so many verses here, I can't even quote them all. We're called to live in him. His spirit lives in you. 
He wants to remodel the house. This is what another thing the way the Holy Spirit does is he wants to tear down some walls, right? He doesn't like living in a shack. Eh? He comes into us and we're just this little shabby shack. That's what we are, right? We think, we, we think we're a palace, right? And the Holy Spirit comes in and we're like, man, this is going to be, I'm like, look, man, all right, I'm going to be here with you and you and I are going to live together, but some of the stuff's got to change. Some of the stuff's got to go, right? That's what he does. He comes and he remodels the temple. He wants to get rid of attitudes. He wants to get rid of actions. He wants to get rid of habits. He wants to heal wounds. He wants to heal traumas. He wants to reset mindsets. That's what he wants to do. Huh? And what happens in the Christian's life that you can point to where a Christian stops growing every single time. They stop growing when they stop allowing the Holy Spirit to remodel their lives. When they get comfortable with where they are. No, I'm good. I'm good. Jesus wants to blow the whole back end of the house out. It's too small for him. He prepares a habitation. He wants to get rid of everything. He wants to change the way that you think. He wants to change your, every part of you he wants to change. Don't hold on to the unfamiliar or to the familiar. Let him change you. We cling to the familiar. So why churches, we end up creating these cultures where we all cling to the familiar language. We all cling to the familiar attitudes. We all cling. Everybody's clinging, and, and churches settle there and stagnate there, and they themselves are never transformed. They're only clinging to what become familiar to them. They're clinging to what's become comfortable to them, and they never change. Me, I'm like, let's go. I used to hate change. Nobody likes change, right? Anybody, nobody, nobody really likes change. We don't. We say we do, but we really don't. The bridge from where you are to where you need to be is called change. You have to learn change, love change. I used to hate it. I used to hate it, and now I love it. I know when God wants to change me, I know that I'm in for something good. I know I'm not going to like it, but I know I'm in for something good. He's gonna, he wants to change you, Christian. Here's the last verse. I'm going to read this, and then break it down, and we're going to close, and I'm going to give a prayer. It says, if you in Christ, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of the righteousness of God. But if, but if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. You carry resurrection power. You carry resurrection power. Eh? You're not just born again. You carry authority. You carry power. You carry it. He gives life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, therefore, because the spirit of God dwells in us, because we carry resurrection power, it actually says that we're debtors. We're not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh, but we are bound to live our lives by the Spirit. There is an expectation on our lives by the Lord that we live no longer according to carnality or, or, or superficiality, but that we live in concert and communion with His Spirit. We are indebted to that. That's what it tells us. We are no longer debtors to the flesh, but we are, we, we are debtors to live. If you will live according to the flesh, you will die. You can be a Christian. You can keep living by the flesh. You can keep doing all the things and doing everything and all this other nonsense. And the Bible says, you will die. Eh? You're going to go to heaven, but you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many are led by the, uh, the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. We want to be sons and daughters. We want to act and live as sons and daughters. Well, one of the qualifying attributes of a son and daughter is they live by the Holy Spirit. They live their life in and through and by the Holy Spirit. For you did not receive the spirit again of bondage. You don't even have a spirit of fear. You don't fear. That's not the Holy Spirit. 
But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Right there, if you have an issue with value and worth, he just told you you're adopted. He valued you. He chose you. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons and daughters of God. And if we are sons and daughters, then we are heirs. <laughs> That's awesome. And we are heirs with God and we are joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer, pasco, endure difficulty, that we may be glorified. Well, we got to suffer for Jesus. You know what suffering for Jesus looks like in this context? And you know what suffering for Jesus looks like in the great old United States of America? You suffer becoming who you don't want to be. That's what you do. There is a pain in becoming who you don't want to be. He has someone for you. He has an identity for you. Again, I come from this business conference. And you want to, I'll give you a couple of some of the gold that I just got from this conference. They said, okay, you guys have a vision for your business, whatever. And they asked this question. And I told that that's just straight gospel what they said. He says, who do you have to become in order to achieve the vision that's in front of you? Who do you have to become? Because who you currently are is not sufficient to get where you want to go. Again, that's gospel. You have to be changed. Who do you need to become to accomplish the things that are set in front of you? Because who you currently are is not sufficient. Because if, if you could do it as, 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 as you see yourself, if you could do it in your mentality, in your current state, you would have already done it. You have to become who you are in order to fulfill what is set before you. That's an absolute fact. And one of the ways we do that is we live by the Spirit. When we live by the Spirit, we fulfill our full identity. We become who we really are. Your eternal state is in the Spirit. That's who you are. I love being in the Spirit. I wish I could be in the Spirit 24-7. Yeah, right? I wish I could. I try. I don't always succeed. My flesh doesn't like being in this. Anybody know my flesh is like, I don't want to get in the spirit. I don't want to worship. I don't want to go to church today. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to sing. I don't want to serve. That's your flesh. <laughs> We've seen the enemy and it is us. <laughs> I'm my own worst enemy, man. I fight myself like crazy. I fight myself. I'm always like, you're going to die and you're dying today. If by the Spirit we put to, to death the selfish will of the flesh, we will live. Life will come. If by the Spirit we put to death the selfish will of the flesh, <laughs> we will live. We live in the Spirit. Why? Because we're bound to it. We live by the flesh. The flesh, if you live by the flesh, it will kill you. Holy Spirit brings us faith. He brings us joy. He brings life into our relationships. Living in the Spirit is a testimony of our sonship and daughtership. Come on. Manifests our inheritance and testifies of our identity. Holy Spirit's important. So, hey, if you ask, come on. You can clap. Come on, somebody clap. If you're there and you're watching and I promised you a prayer, we're going to give it to you. If you've never given your life to Christ, today's your day. The Bible says everybody has a sin problem. We're all born. We're born separated. Separated from our creators. Separated from our destiny. Separated from our, pur our, our, our purpose. The Bible says that the wages of that sin is death or eternal separation. Somebody said, is there a heaven to gain and a hell to shun? Yes, there is. Is hell real? Hell yeah, hell's real. And the Bible says without Christ, hell was not created. Well, the Bible says this, that hell was not created for man. It was created for the devil and his angels. The devil is the propagator of sin. And man made an agreement long ago with the devil and came under sin. Therefore, man is under judgment because sin itself is judged. 
But Jesus came. Jesus came to provide a way back home. Jesus came to provide a way out of sin. Jesus came to provide that. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he has risen and paid the price in order for you to have this, he says if you believe that and you'll make that confession, you'll be saved. Say, I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it to believe it. Belief and understanding are two different things. It says believe in your heart, not in your head. None of it will make sense to you. What will make sense to you is that without Christ, you are hopeless. Without Christ, you are lost. Without Christ, you are in sin. Your head may be saying, I don't believe that, but your heart is definitely telling you that's true. You gotta believe in your heart. Jesus is offering. The Bible says this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open their heart to me, I will come inside and I will be one with him. All you gotta do is open your heart and believe that Jesus is who he is and believe that he's done what he said he's done. And the Bible says he'll do all the heavy lifting and he'll free you and he'll forgive you and he'll restore you and he'll set your life back on a life of purpose and destiny. If that's you, we wanna pray with you. We're gonna pray here together as a church. If you're in this room and you've never prayed that prayer before or you're not sure, today's your day. We definitely want you to pray it. So there's people around me, it doesn't matter. Jesus said, if you come out from among them and be separate, he says, if you will confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, you I will deny before the Father. There's no such thing as a closet Christian. We have to come out and be numbered. And today's your day. And so let's just pray. 40-second prayer trains your eternity. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior. And I need a Savior. I may not understand this, but I choose to believe it. So I open my heart to you, Jesus. And I ask you to come inside. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me. And I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. And all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We bless you. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. Elevate Miami Church at Gmail. We'd love to hear from you also. So we're going to end the service. If you need prayer at all, we have a prayer team available for you. And then I just want to speak blessing over you one more time. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may he give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor in Jesus' name. God loves you. We love you. Have a wonderful week. Amen. separate even if I